and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life? Like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. do I have an amazing guest for you this week. She is a complete Dharma advocate. She's changing the world. She is the voice of a generation, according to Deepak Chopra. Sahara Rose is joining us on the podcast this week, and you will hear her story. She went through so much stuff at such a young age. Um, she learned so many lessons so young and obviously that's how, what has enabled her to be the amazing teacher she is today. And we also go deep on the sub- subject of Dharma. So stay tuned and listen to me and Sahara Rose go deep on Dharma. So hello and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me a woman who is totally after my own heart. She is an advocate of Dharma, which you all guys know how much I love. And she, in my opinion, is one of the most leading, insightful voices out there at the moment. So Sahara Rose, welcome to Kitty Talks. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, I just knew you needed to be on the podcast when I discovered that you were in the Dharma conversation, because for me, everybody needs to know about Dharma and the impact it can have on their lives. So thank you. I'd love, I can't wait to go deep on the subject. (laughs) Do you mind just sharing? Yes. Yes. Do you mind just sharing with my audience, just like presencing yourself and just sharing with them what you're up to at the moment and just so they can get a more uh, feel for your work? Yeah. So, um, I am an author. I, my first book was called the idiot's guide to Ayurveda, which is a kind of all encompassing guide to this ancient healing science. If people aren't familiar with what Ayurveda is, Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system that originated in ancient India over 5,000 years ago. And more than just a health system, it is a system of balancing the mind and the body for optimal well-being in all areas of your life. The word Ayurveda means knowledge of life. So for you to be truly healthy, you must have knowledge of all areas of your life, the foods you're eating, 
lifestyle practices, relationship, environment, and where that all ends up taking you to is towards your dharma. So my journey Mm -hmm. actually began with my own health problems. And I think that most people who work in the healing world, um, suffered from health problems themselves. Otherwise, Mm, why would you get into this sort of Mm. thing? Yes. So um, I, growing up as a kid, I was really overweight. I ate a lot of junk food. For me, eating junk food was my way of fitting in with, you know, American culture. And obviously I looked different, had a different name, sounded different from everyone around me, but I could drink the Kool-Aid and that would at (laughs) least make me fit in in that regard. So I started to eat, you know, Lunchables and McDonald's and like, I'm not talking about a little, like that was the only food I ate my entire childhood. And um, over time, you know, you start to gain weight. I started to get really bad allergies. The allergies got so bad that I couldn't go outside that eventually turned into asthma. Um, So I had an inhaler and so many prescription medications that I would take. And every time it was like recess and the kids would go play outside, I would go sit outside the principal's office. So, you know, you, whenever you're in a situation, you create a story that you want that situation. So I created the story of I don't even like going outside. I don't, I don't even like sports. I don't like, <laughs> how old I don't like, friends. I don't like any of this stuff. And how old I was, you? I was like, you know, probably the allergy started when I was about eight years old and, um, continued to be really bad until I was mm. about 12. So wow. when I was 12, I made the decision that I wanted to lose weight because I was so embarrassed how I looked and you get in middle school and it starts to be more about, you know, your appearance. So I remember reading in Cosmo magazine, the most trusted source of information out there that, um, Jennifer Aniston, Rachel from friends, um, <laughs> looks so good because she practices hot yoga. So I said, Okay, if that, I'll do what she's doing. So I convinced my mom to take me to a hot yoga class. And and there I was like, you know, wearing, I didn't know what hot yoga was. And I was wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt and everyone's doing this practice and they're moving and they're doing this choreography. And I'm so confused, but at the same time, for the first time, feel connected to my body, not trying to run away from it, not mm. trying to punish it, not trying to put mm. prescription medications into it, but just really being there present Mm -hmm. in my body. So I make it my top secret mission that I won't tell anyone, but I'm going to start going to yoga after school because it's so embarrassing if kids know I'm like exercising. And from there, I started to want to learn more. What's this practice about? Where does it come from? Who, Who writes about this? Start reading books about it. Start reading books... Deepak Chopra, different yogic philosophies, really, really young age. Really young, yeah. This starts to influence, you know, how I think. And, and I started to change drastically. Not only did I lose the weight, but I started to volunteer and I um, became really strong activist and started to work with all these NGOs. And um, then I eventually went to college to become a human rights lawyer and went to move to DC. And like, that was really my mission. And then I was in India, I was teaching health and sanitation in the slums outside of Delhi. And that's when my own health problems started. So Mm. I'm there to help other people, but I'm undeniably having my own. And at the time I had become so healthy that I had Mm. become a raw vegan, which means you only eat raw fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And, um, from being a raw vegan, eventually I noticed I would get faint all the time. I was so cold. I started to lose a lot of weight. And at first I was like, oh, you know, people were like, are you okay? You look like you lost a lot of weight. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, 
but that's not what they meant. And I started to lose a lot of hair. And I started every time I ate, I was in so much pain. Like I would be on the couch, just like hurling. And I'm sure a lot of listeners have related to that. Everything you eat just hurts Mm. your stomach. Mm. And I didn't know what to do. And not just in my body, but I had really bad anxiety. I had bad insomnia. I was so confused about what I wanted to do with my life because here I was setting up my whole life to become this international human rights lawyer. And Mm. then I start working with these NGOs and it's not what I want to do. I feel so separate from the people. I want to be there connecting with one-on-one with the people that I'm helping. But in the nonprofit sectors, it's a massive level of bureaucracy and you're just raising money for the next fundraiser. So I'm like having this crisis of who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? And I'm here trying to teach people to be healthy. And I have such bad health issues myself. And kind of the cherry on top was I stopped getting my period. And at first I thought, oh, I had come off birth control. Maybe it's going to take some time, take six months, a year passed, two years passed. I don't have a period wow. at all, which is a massive sign that your yeah. body's out of balance. Absolutely. But, um, I would you know, go on these raw vegan forums and they would say, that just means you're at the optimal level of being cleansed. That oh my you just God. don't have a period anymore. So I was getting all this contradicting information, started eventually to go to doctors because I didn't know what was wrong with me. Gastroenterologists, mm. endocrinologists, osteopaths. I was breaking all of my joints. Uh, you know, I had alopecia, hair falling out, all of these wow. issues, but no one everything was so acute. So the gastroenterologist said, you have IBS. Here's a medication. The birth uh, um, endocrinologist said, yeah, you have, I don't know, you have low hormones. Take birth Mm. control. I said, well, what about when I want to have a baby? She said, you can do IVF. We'll worry about that then. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So I'm 21 years old. I'm unable to have a child already and I can't digest food. I'm, my bones are breaking like an elderly person. And I'm supposed to be my most energized and my most, you know, active in my life. And I don't know, everything is just overwhelming me and I just feel frazzled. And Mm. I didn't know what anxiety was. I thought everyone just has tons of thoughts and is not able to handle it. Um, But I realized that if those thoughts are keeping you up all night, if you wake up and you're just like, what's going to happen with it? That's your body in fight or flight. But when you're living in that you don't know that that's not normal because it's all you've ever experienced. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people listening are like, maybe, maybe there is something. And again, not to label. Sometimes we're quick to label everything going on, but just mm. to acknowledge that maybe there's something in your life that's needing to change. So I decided to visit an Ayurvedic doctor while I was in India. Again, I thought Ayurveda was some you know, ancient astrological thing. I didn't take it seriously. Uh, but the moment she saw me, she knew instantly. She said, Betha, you too pretty to never have baby. And I was like, <laughs> how does she know I yeah. don't have my kid? And Got your and number. She knew everything, the bones, the anxiety, the insomnia, the digestion. She knew everything just from looking at me. Mm. And I saw what power Ayurveda had and how there's so much depth and so much wisdom and all of these pieces of the puzzle that I didn't know were connected actually Mm. were. They were a vata imbalance, too much air in my system. But the approach that she had to it was very 
old school Indian, lots mm. of ghee, lots of rice, lots of basically just eat khichri for the rest of my life. And that's what prompted me to create my own solution to this. How can I take Ayurvedic wisdom and how can I look at today's you know, nutritional science and the latest research we have and how can I connect the dots and make this work for today's time? And can I, so it can started I, off. Can I ask a question? Because yeah. like you, you make... Mm-hmm. How did you get to that point? Because obviously for people listening, you know, we're in this Dharma conversation, you know, and I totally believe that life is, Dharma's always there. It's whether we choose to connect to it or not. And actually our life has a message and it has a purpose. Like how did you decipher that? Was it a question of it kind of came through to you or over the period of time, it kind of the puzzles came, the puzzle pieces came together. What was your kind of inner thought process? So the first thought was, I need to learn what Ayurveda to help myself. Right. But I actually had a lot of shame around it because I was a raw vegan blogger, which is the opposite of Ayurveda. So I was like, oh my God, I can't write about this stuff. I can't share this with anyone because I'm supposed to be promoting this diet, but I'm not actually able to follow that anymore. So it was this weird kind of place. Um, But then eventually I said, okay, I'm just going to learn about it. Then I just started organically sharing about it. And then I saw, oh, what's people didn't know what, I mean, most people had no idea what Ayurveda was at this Mm. point, especially like seven years ago. Um, So I just started organically sharing as I'm healing myself and then realizing that there's so much to share and that so much of the information I'm receiving, like the textbooks I would get, were not in language that even I, who am a nutrition nerd, would understand. So I saw there's a need for people like me who Mm. have similar health problems or other health problems, who Ayurveda could help, but it's not in in relatable language. And the suggestions, a Mm. lot of them actually don't line up and they don't make sense for today's time, which I dive into in my book. For example, in Ayurveda, they say, don't eat any mushrooms. Why? You know, that doesn't make sense. In Europe, mushrooms are such a Mm. part of culture. And in Northern India, they eat mushrooms all the time. So I dove into that. Why Mm. is it the case? Actually, it's because of the British. Mm. When the British Mm. ruled India, they saw that there were a lot of mushrooms growing that could be psychedelic or poisonous. So they just kind of told everyone, don't eat mushrooms. They are poisonous. And that sort of became part of Indian culture, which sort of became part of Ayurveda, but it was it's not an actual ancient belief. So I saw that there were a lot of these kind of um, foreign and, you know, old wives' tales infused in it, but the core tenets of Ayurveda that we are bio-individual, that mm-hmm. we relate to the elements, that our mind and body are connected, that you can actually pinpoint your imbalance from looking at your specific symptoms mentally mm-hmm. and physically. These tenets are so true, so universal, and what all science actually comes back down to, we just need to have these two worlds hold hands and recognize and acknowledge mm. each other. And that's the only way that both will survive. Mm. And I love that because so just from that need, yeah, just from seeing that need in myself translated to other people translated to, I'm trying to look for a book that's solving this problem and there isn't one. Yeah. So why don't I do it? Yeah. Though I had never met an author, had no idea what writing a book was like. So I just thought I'll write a book and then I'll, I don't know, once it's written, then I'll, someone will publish it. So, mm. you know, there has to be this level of, I think, almost like naivete of like, if I had really known the journey, I probably would have gone overwhelmed. Mm. But I just sort of looked at it as like, 
okay, I'll write a book on it. And then as I started writing a book, I saw it's a lot more complex than I thought, but I was already knee deep that I was mm. not going to give up. Mm. And I love, I love it because what you're describing there is you found something that you were totally passionate about, and then you used your own insight, your own wisdom, and your uh, your talents to then draw it together. And of course, that's, you know, perfect for what we're talking about with the, the Dharma concept, because everybody's got their own unique slant on yes. the things they're passionate about that they can bring to the world. Yes. Mm. So did it Absolutely. flow? Like, yes. Yeah, it did flow. Did it flow? Um, yeah. Not all the time. I think, you know, I love to teach something called about Kriya and the word Kriya, mm. there's 16 definitions of it, but one of it is, which I talk about in the Doshas and Dharma program, it's that effortless flow. And so we are in Vedic belief, we are born on this highway and at the end of the highway is the Dharma, the purpose, mm. which doesn't necessarily look like one thing. In my opinion, we all have one Dharma, which is to raise consciousness. Mm -hmm. We have different shades and spectrums to get there. So the Dharma is at the end of the road and we are going down this highway of life. And, you know, sometimes we start to steer off path. And over here, someone says like, oh, why don't you become a real estate agent? And you don't have to work that hard and you can make a lot or of money doing it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Do this, do that. And you're like, huh, that, that could work. That makes sense. Or maybe I'll do this for a period of time so I can save up the money. So then I can do that thing that I want mm. to do. So we start to go in that direction. And the universe has these beautiful, you know, like the ramps on the side of the highway and that's called karma. Mm. We think of karma, what goes around comes around. It's actually bounded action from the universe. So we go off path and then the karma says, hey, 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 that's not your dharma. It starts to, to tap mm. us on the shoulder and we don't listen. And then it starts to really knock. knock. Mm. And that could look like, you know, things not going right. Just like maybe little catastrophes happening every day, not feeling good, not feeling energetic, mm. every day feeling? feeling like a slump. And you still don't listen because you're thinking, oh, I'm just going through a weird period of time and you keep doing the same thing you were doing before. And then that turns into a punch from the universe, which can eventually turn into a massive accident. And Absolutely. that is just the universe responding to you in the only language that you know possible, mm. which is through pain, because that's how humans respond trying, to things. Trying to wake you up and get you back on the right path, basically. Ex exactly. And we don't listen to it because we have grown up with this belief that life is mm. meant to be hard. Life is meant to be a struggle. This is just what life is. Our parents tell us these things. Mm, so we don't know any different, but life was meant to live, be lived in, in flow, which is called Kriya, boundless action. So karma bounded, Kriya boundless. So when you're driving on that highway on cruise control and there's no cars in front of you and you're just hitting, hitting the gas and you're just going for it, that's mm. when things start to line up and the doors start to open and you meet that right person at the right time and they invite you somewhere and you meet someone else and you get this opportunity and and there's assistance that you could have never given yourself because the universe is actually pushing you in the direction of your dharma. And that mm. is how life is meant to be lived. We will always experience the bounded action because no one ever really knows the path. We're all kind of turning along the way. But when we respond to that action, we respond to the anxiety, depression, insomnia, anger, irritation, frustration, impatience, whatever it's looking like for you, which will actually depend on your dosha, mm. your Ayurvedic constitution. If you're a vata, you'll experience anxiety, insomnia, 
too much in the head, too much air. If you're mm. a pitta, you'll experience anger, frustration, irritability, too much heat, too much fire. And if you're kapha, you'll experience, you feel stuck. You feel maybe longing for the past. You feel depressed, sad, depleted. And that's because there's so much earth, which is grounding you. So that's really what my passion of Ayurveda turned into. First, it was how can I heal my body? But mm. then realizing the only reason why I would heal my body is so I can follow my dharma. And how did you discover that concept of dharma? Like how did dharma come into your life? You know, I can't remember, like I never had a teacher or anyone that was like, this is dharma, like this is what it is. Honestly, I think I had seen the word come up Mm -hmm. in many books and things that I had read. And what made it come up for me, the desire was, okay, I'm doing these steps to heal my body, but I still feel purposeless. Mm, For what? I'm eating organic food so I can win an award. I, I Look, I have a great body so I can what? what? What do these things matter? It's like sometimes we put so much emphasis on the once I lose weight, I'll be happy. Once I get through this this disease, actually a lot of depression happens when people leave hospitals after, after illnesses mm. because then they're like, my whole purpose was to fight this illness. And now that it's gone, I don't know what I'm living for. Mm. So for me, it was okay, I healed these these issues, but now what do I do between the meals? What do I do with the rest of my life? And then realizing, okay, what are my strengths? I'm, I'm creative, I'm eccentric, I'm this, I'm that. Oh, they all actually line up with Vata, which is the imbalance I had. So this whole picture is way bigger than I've ever mm. been taught. And my body's imbalances are a signal of my dharma, the reason why I was put here, because I was given those air-like qualities of being, you know, Vata people are, you know, they're they great thinkers, they're great writers, they're great speakers, um, but they're maybe not as good at, you know, uh, being like a type A organized CEO type of energy. Like I would not be a good lawyer because I'd be like, I don't know, guys, I understand both sides of the, bar- the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't be good at it. And or I think a kapha. It, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, it's such a valid point because it's not something that we are, are taught. You know, it's not yeah. like we go to school to understand ourselves. You know, we, we get taught all this stuff and we come out and we haven't got a clue who we are. Like it took me till my early 20s to understand what I was good at. You know, that I was a natural connector that I made friends with people naturally and actually I was really and you're good. a kapha <laughs> yeah yeah and it's fascinating you talk about um doshas because in w- what I use is Chinese medicine so I would use um fire water and it's so there's definite parallels and I think it's really Chinese imp- medicine is derived from Ayurveda Mm, yes, it's one down, isn't it? Ayurveda yes. is the oldest, way ancient wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they just changed two of the elements. But I wonder if in Chinese medicine they have this element of the like a dharma also. I'm not sure. Um, I haven't heard it talked about in Chinese medicine. I know um the way we look at it is um I utilize a, a test called the vitality test, which is one of my um friends actually developed and he was an acupuncturist for goodness, 20 years. And interestingly, exactly what you talk about, he wasn't listening to his dharma. And so um, the noises and the knocking got louder and louder and louder. He knew he needed to take this wisdom out to the world, but he was ignoring it. And listen up if you're listening to this interview, if your inner voice is telling you, you need to do something and you ignore it, basically the universe will correct you. He was up a ladder, taking down a boat off a ladder for his kids. He fell backwards off the ladder and basically had a near-death experience, which put him out of action for about two years. And in that two-year period, that's when he created this test. 
Um, so he learned the hard way that he needed to listen to his dharma. For sure. And, you know, yeah, for people listening, not for that to be a scary thought, no. <laughs> but we've all, we've all dealt with tragedies. And then we're like, we go into the victim mode of why me, why me? Whereas mm. we should be in gratitude for thank you for this lesson. I wouldn't have learned it another way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting how that duality, like you described it on your own journey, like your, your, um, your mess happened very early. Like you got yeah. to see those things in a very early in life. Like, um, personally, I, well, mine was my twenties and mine was all around breakdowns and depressions, you know, and that's one of the things that's made me so passionate about the subject of Dharma, because it's literally the opposite end of the emotional vibrational scale. And everybody should be living in their bliss, in their joy, right at the top, you know, so. Yes. <laughs> so sorry, I interrupted your story. So you are in your story yeah. and you're describing, um, basically how you, uh, got to the stage where you wrote your first book. Yeah. So, um, so eventually I, I wrote the book. I didn't know anything about the book writing process. And, um, I found out you have to have a literary agent and all of these things, all of these steps, which I won't bore you with all of, all of the steps of writing the book, but eventually it happened and it, and it happened in a very synchronicity type way. Mm. Um, a literary agent who I was connected with, was contacted by Penguin Random House because they were looking for someone to write an, the Idiot's Guide. It's like the official Idiot's Guide mm. um, to Ayurveda. And they had had an author and four months in, she quit because it was so much work because it's a very, very strategic and uh, specific topic and you don't get any help on it at all. So she had quit. They were looking for someone and she said, well, I know this girl who writes about Ayurveda, but they were like, she's too young. Like all of the fears I had in my head were really echoed back. She's too young. No one cares. She doesn't know enough, blah, 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 all of those things. Mm. And, um, she said, well, you know, just give her a try. So they said, oh, if you were to write the table of contents of this book, what would you put in it? And they had given me the table of contents that that previous author had written. They're like, you can just edit this one and you have a week to do it. And that's when the Dharma came in. I rewrote that whole table of contents way, way more in depth. I did not use anything that the previous author had written and sent it back to them that day. Like a whole like 16 page table of contents because it's not, I just choose the chapters. I'm going down to the paragraph of what each paragraph would say. So really this um, system of teaching Ayurveda had channeled through me because I, mm. all of these experiences had had me ready. And I had written my other book to Ayurveda, which I was trying to get published, but that was actually preparing me for this moment. So I wrote that table of contents, sent it back that day. They said, okay, well, if you were to write the first chapter, how would you write it? And it's, in, it's not how you want to write it. It's in our specific like idiot's guide style, which is like very, 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 yeah. And like every two and a half pages has to have a definition of this or that. Like, so not how my Vata brain works. Yeah, sure. But I knew that this is my chance. And I, again, that same day, I wrote the entire first 16 page chapter, again, 16. Um, and I sent it back. And they were amazed that someone was able to, one, know this much, but also turn it around so fast. And I got hired for the book. Again, throughout the book writing process, I was like, I don't really know about this book. I'm kind of trying to make my my Ayurveda book happen. And now I'm mm. spending all my time writing their mm. textbook. So there was, again, it's not like I was like, yeah, now I made it, Dharma forever. And even right before the book came out, so many fears, so many insecurities. What if people don't like it? What if people say, I don't know enough? What if they say I'm too young, et cetera? Um, 
the book came out and I was like, you know, if anyone's had a book or anything on Amazon, holy crap, these reviews, they can make or oh, break Yeah, you. of course. Yeah, so absolutely. I'm just refreshing, refreshing. Okay, what are people going to say? What are people going to say? And so they start to come in and they're positive. And people like the book and they like that it's a modern approach. And they like like all of the things that I was so afraid of mm. were actually my strengths. And I mm. think that for all of us who are trying to achieve the Dharma, that, that, that thing that you're embarrassed about, let's mm. say you say, oh, I never went to college or, oh, I, I don't speak English well or whatever it is that you're ashamed of. That is actually what will set you apart. People will, mm. will relate to you more because you didn't mm. go to college. People will, will relate to you more because you mm. have your accent or you're too young or you're older when you started or whatever it is. So instead of trying to fit the cookie cutter box, actually mm. lead with that yeah. perceived weakness. And I think it's such a valid point so, because... And those, yeah, so that book became the best. I was just going to say it's such a valid point because those yeah, are the go things... Ahead. Well, no, it's just, I would love to sign up for like really labor that point because that is the thing that people get so hung up on. We all like think we're not good enough or we're not strong enough, but actually the whole, the whole concept of Dharma is you flip it on your head. Your unique gifts and talents are your unique gifts and talents. Nobody else has got them. You know, your way of looking at something exactly as you've just described, Sahara, your way of it contributing and your way of interpreting Ayurveda was what people really appreciated. Definitely. And I think for a lot of people, you know, they say someone else is already doing what I want to be doing. I want to teach yoga. Someone Nine. is teaching yoga. Mm. Someone's, te someone's doing everything, you know, mm. we're not going to, it's very hard to come up with something that no one's ever done before, but it's your take on it that makes mm. it, that makes it relatable. So, mm. you know, the way that one person teaches yoga, that same exact sequence is going to be really different from someone who's like tattooed and swears versus someone who does it really structured. And you're going to find your vibration of people who are attracted to how you teach it. So it's not that you have to come up with something that's never been said before. You need to just say it in your unique way. Mm. Yeah, such such and like incredible advice because that's where people get stuck and then they get stuck in their own story about why they can't do it and they procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate and before you know it they're not taking any action and nothing even you know dharma can push you and push you but you've still got to take action towards what it is you want to happen. Absolutely. Yes. And a lot of, you know, I talk a lot about the, the dance between doing and being and mm. how mm. a lot of us, um, we're constantly doing, doing, doing. Um, but what ends up happening is, you know, when you're doing, you're in the pitta, you're taking the action, but you end up eventually hitting that wall or just repeating the same thing. So for example, your business may be going well, you're making sales, you have your clients going, but maybe it's not what you want to be doing. And you're feeling this shift internally, but things are rolling. So you feel like, well, why would I leave an operating business or a or thriving career? But that's when you have to step into the kapha, which is sinking in the reevaluation, the rest, the nurture, maybe taking a a pause away from work. And that doesn't have to look like you go on vacation for a month. That could look like just every night taking a bath, doing something that you step away, you reevaluate. And that naturally brings you into the vata, which are the ideas. And you start to think of things with a, a fresher view. We never have our best ideas when we're like, what's the answer to this thing on my laptop? It's when you go in and mm. take a walk that mm, the idea absolutely. comes through. So we're going through these cycles, vata, idea, pitta, action, kapha, reevaluation to come back to the vata, pitta, to kapha. And a lot of us, especially as entrepreneurs, we get stuck in one. Mm. We're either only thinking of ideas, but never taking action on them. We're stuck in the vata, the intangible, the air. Or we're only taking action, but we don't really have a why. 
So we're mm. just stuck in the pit. So we're just doing, doing, doing. But if you ask someone, what, what, where do you, what's the point of this money? What's the point of all of this? Why do you want a million Instagram followers? They don't know why. And then when you're only in the kapha, maybe you're wait, you're saying, I'm not ready. I still need to heal myself. I still need to be, wait for this certain point for me to take action when that perfect moment never comes. You just mm-hmm. have to co-create it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love looking at the doshas as so much more than health, but really as a system of living your life in terms of dharma, in terms of entrepreneurship, purpose, relationships. You can look at this lens, this cycle, vata, pitta, kapha, through anything in life and you will find your answer and your direction of what is the next step to move to. Mm. And does it work for, because obviously with Chinese medicine, we're going into the earth phase of the, mm-hmm. of the planetary cycle. Is that a similar for doshas as well? Does it work on a planetary, on a global scale? Yes. Yeah, so there's a, it's not part of Ayurveda, but as a sister science called Jyotish. Jyotish is, so Ayurveda is um, the science of life and mm. Jyotish is the science of the stars. So mm. it is an astrological uh, sequence. You can actually see your your Prakriti, the doshic constitution you were born with, within your dasha, which are the long cycles of um, life, similar to how in astrology we have different like kind of horoscope mm-hmm. signs. Mm-hmm. Um, in Vedic astrology, we are all born somewhere in this 150 cycle and this, the planets cycle in the same orbit. So you may have been born here. So you're not going to experience this part. Someone may have been born here. So because it's believed that in the ancient Vedic times, we lived 150 year lifespans. So we would mm. all go through all of these cycles, but now that's not the case. So Ayurveda is related to Jyotish, but it's not an astrological system. Your dosha is, can you can have a doshic imbalance of one that you were not born with. You can work too hard and get a pitta imbalance. You can gain a lot of weight and get a kapha imbalance. You can become a raw vegan and be underweight, have a vata imbalance. So it's not necessarily that you're born with something and these are the problems you're going to have. It's just what you are have the most propensity towards. Mm, okay, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and talk to me, because obviously, you know, you're, you described the first book, how the first book was birthed, and now you're on to your second book. Yes. And yes. That's, yes, coming out very shortly. Yes. So, and it will be in the UK also. So, ah. as I mentioned, that first, I had written, so technically it's my third book I wrote about Ayurveda because before I wrote a book that never ended up getting published, um, but that was my approach to Ayurveda. So this book, Eat, Feel Fresh, is me taking Ayurveda, but looking at it from a contemporary lens. So for example, in Ayurveda, they say you should never eat something that was cooked more than three hours ago. So let's say I baked sweet potatoes in the morning. I can't eat them at night. How does that, how can I operate Mm. like that? And I dove into that. Well, they didn't have refrigerators 5,000 years ago. I see. So of course, they're going to say, don't eat something that was cooked more than three hours ago. They also have wives whose sole jobs are to cook and clean. Mm. And there is a lot of patriarchy in that system as well. So how can you expect someone to live a life and if they're not meal prepping? So I've taken the concepts of eating for your dosha, but also eating tridoshically. What if your husband is pitta? What if your kid is kapha? How can you make it work? In India, believe it or not, every person doesn't get their own catered custom meal for them. You just take out what imbalances people. So for the vata, you'll take out 
a lot of the dry foods, raw foods. You won't make like a raw green salad if there's a vata in your family. For pizza, you won't do anything too spicy, too pungent, garlicky, onion, tomato, because that's going to heat your body up. And again, this heat in the body leads to heat in the mind, anger, impatience, agitation, as well as red meat. That's why Ayurveda is a vegetarian diet. And then with the kaffas, you want to take away anything that is cold and damp and sticky, such as dairy products, such as sweets, fried foods, oily foods, because that's going to make them more tired and dense and in their bodies and they need to uplift. So how can we make it work for all three? Just take those out. So for example, I say, eat the six tastes. There are six tastes in Ayurveda. And if you eat all six tastes, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, Mm -hmm. pungent, and astringent, Mm -hmm. you don't need to look at calories and this and that. You say, okay, I haven't eaten many bitter foods today. So maybe I need some more leafy greens or Brussels sprouts. Oh, I haven't eaten any astringent foods, which is like legumes and things that take in water. So it's so much more intuitive to be able to look at tastes, whereas we have sort of looked at food from this like very caloric, macronutritional basis. And that creates the separation between the food and us. And my goal of this book is not so, again, so you win the gold star that you're the healthiest person on the planet, but it's so you can live your dharma. It's so you can heal your body. And Mm. the imbalances in your body are the imbalances in your life. And you'll be able to Mm, see, wow, Exactly. Yes. I'm dealing with a lot of um, heartburn and I don't know why I feel so acidic. In your life, I can guarantee you, you feel impatient, agitation, frustrated, annoyed. There's something that needs to be addressed and you need Mm. to have more cooling in your diet and lifestyle. So food becomes this incredible tool that you Mm. can use to change all areas of your life because when your body is in balance, your mind is in balance and then your soul can really come out and play and live its purpose here. Yeah, beautiful. And so that's reflected back to you when you're in balance in the world. Absolutely. Mm. So the book is out on the 1st of October and it's available for pre-order now. Yes, yes. And people can pre-order it on on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles and they can um, head over to my website on IamSaharaRose.com and they can submit their receipt and they will get some pre-order bonuses like signed book plates and bonus recipes and um, all sorts of fun stuff as a nice special gift for pre-ordering it. Fabulous. And you've kindly offered to give uh, a copy to us as well so we can give it to our audience. Yeah, we can we can send out three copies to your <gasps> audience members oh, of the UK or the US um, versions because I know the metric system is is different. But, you know, I think that people are waking up to this, this connection and this newer way of looking at the body. And if people are saying, oh, well, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, that's going to take up too much time. I'm, I'm too busy chasing my career. But the thing is, you're not fully going to be able to live up to your dharma when there mm. are physical problems. The reason why Ayurveda is the predecessor of yoga is because yoga is the science of yoking to yoke the spirit consciousness Brahma with the body. But the predecessor Ayurveda says, how can you become enlightened and leave your body when you have physical and mental problems? So we have to address these issues. Mm. And that is what will create this path for us to then fully live out our Kriyas and fulfill our dharmas. Mm. And it's a really interesting way to look at it. Because like you're saying, it, it, you know, it, but people might be put off thinking it's complicated and I don't quite know where to start. But actually, you've made it really simple. And realistically, by taking the time to do that, that's going to be reflected back to them in how they live their life and what happens and their energy levels. And it's a bit like kind of meditation. You know, people think they haven't got time to meditate, but actually it's like makes you super sharp 
like when you do it. So, oh, yes. And so many tools. You can just look at your tongue every day in the mirror, and just your tongue will tell you what dosha is out of balance. Do you have wow. cracks on your tongue? Your vata is out of balance. You have a red tip on your tongue? Your pit is out of balance. You have a lot of white mucus on your tongue? Your cough is out of balance. So, every day, if you just make a practice of look at your tongue and scrape your tongue and see what's going on, there you have some incredible information that is not mentally construed with the ego, but is actually coming straight from the source, your body, because your body can never lie. Wow. And just a simple practice like that, you can literally just stick your tongue out every day. Yep. I, I want to stick my tongue out now, but I'm worried. <laughs> no, I think everyone should be taking some good time to romantically gaze at their tongues in the mirror every day. <laughs> yeah, we need to get a much better relationship with our tongue. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, Sahara, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And like, you've got an incredible story. Like you have gone through so much so young. And obviously that's reflected now in what you're doing and what you're sharing and all of the experience you've got. Um, So I want to thank you and acknowledge you, actually. I love learning from you. I love um, Shaman Derek as well. Incredible human beings and totally on my wavelength because I'm with you. I think, you know, we're all here to shift consciousness. And actually we all have to step up to our own little bit you know and but when we do it's fun and life is not meant to be difficult yes well thank you so much for spreading this word in the UK and for really inspiring people I think a lot of people who especially became lawyers something so prestigious they'd say I went to school for this Mm. I worked so hard for this I have a high-paying job why would I leave this stability and venture into the unknown because at this point you have so much at stake right so I think it takes a lot of courage to do what you did. Yeah. And I also think that, you know, that even if you're in that big high flying career, actually that's part of your dharma. You know, there was a reason that yes. you were doing that. Like I, Sahara, I um, uh, was in a city environment for 10 years and was a, in recruitment. And I interviewed probably four or five people a day for about 10 years you know, and it's no strange. Stranger. How incredible. So you can know someone the moment they start talking and you have a sense of what, what they're going to say. What an incredible skill to have. Mm. And of course, you know, it wasn't a mistake. And so I, that's what I always say to people, like whenever Dharma comes to you, like the concept and you awaken to it, then it's the right time, you know, but I'm just so pleased that more people are waking up to it. Yes. Universe is saying, Kitty, you need to interview people. And what you knew available was in the HR setting, but now you've seen you can do it through podcasting and maybe you'll have a TV show soon. And, you know, but this, this interviewing is something that's so innate in your blueprint. So thank you so much for acknowledging that and for, for having me part of that. Mm. Oh, thank you so much. And we, we will have all of Sahara's details in the show notes. So if you've missed anything here, you want more details on the book, we're going to have all those details there. But yes, thank you so much for joining us, Sahara. Thank you. <laughs> and we will see you next week with another amazing guest. Bye-bye. So I know you will have loved, loved, loved that interview. Wow, that woman is like a powerhouse. She has got so much knowledge and she's 27 years old. Incredible. They obviously pop out so much more conscious these days. And we are lucky enough that she has offered to give us three copies of her Eat, Feel, Fresh book. I know I can't wait to get it. Imagine healing yourself inside out and that helping you and your path and your dharma. So don't forget to enter on Instagram, kitty underscore talks. And if you are 
more interested or really keen to dive deeper into the subject of dharma then my do your dharma course eight week online course is now open so you can apply to join us www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your dharma this podcast was sponsored by my do your dharma course create a life so good that you pinch yourself This eight-week online course demystifies Dharma and shows you how to tune in to why you're really here. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma.